What if every experience, every hardship, every obstacle was given to you, not to break you, but to mold you and strengthen you? What if the center of your suffering was actually the key to ultimate health? And what if your own pain was meant to be the catalyst for your greatest purpose? Welcome to Buddha Belly Life, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome. It is really multifaceted. Um, and so and I, so I'm curious, so working, so you worked in the palliative care before or simultaneously with some of the advocacy stuff during the pandemic? Was that before it or simultaneously? Yeah, so time? it was before the, the pandemic. Um, and so I left clinical medicine uh, full-time in 2019 and that's when I was doing much more of the labor organizing and legislative work um, and so the pandemic started while I was labor organizing um, and we had we had doctors that were really experiencing the worst of it in New York State um, and then we also had physicians for example in California that in the beginning of the pandemic didn't realize kind of what we were dealing with on the East Coast. Um, and so it was this simultaneous trying to keep everything under control while making sure our physicians at different stages of the pandemic were being protected, had PPE, made sure their rights at the hospital were taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was an experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gosh you need another sabbatical after (laughs) so so to backpedal just a little bit in your work in palliative care so that to me is such an incredible experience and insight um as someone who's in health and wellness as a human as an someone who's in advocacy um seeing a lot of that stuff uh how did it impact your perspective like on life and I know that you talk about a lot about like um advocating for the patients you know like um where there was time like advocating for their their rest essentially or their their state of comfort um in the process which is really cool I mean if my if that's my family um if it's me if it's someone doing that I would want somebody to fight for what treatments are necessary at that point in my life or to fight for for me and my family um yeah it was it it still is the most rewarding experience I have had in my clinical career and you know, career-wise in general, um, it I looked at hospice and palliative as a privilege, and it truly was that. Um, I'm trying to not get choked up because of how <laughs> how, how much it meant yeah. to me. Totally. Um, and I would, you know, it was crazy too. Is I have, as as you may notice, I have a, a bubbly personality. It's who I am. And so when I would tell people too that, you know, I was going into hospice and palliative, or I was doing that, people would be like but you, like, you're so happy. Like that, and I was like, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Like, it's supposed to be, you know, bringing light, you know, during that time, it's about being an advocate. 
And it, it was truly to the time where I felt as a physician, I got to, I got to know my patients. You know, it wasn't about being in the room for 10 minutes. I could take a half an hour with a patient or have an hour meeting with a patient and their family. And, you know, what my goals always were, were to one, if I could find out from the patient themselves, like, you know, what was, what's your life plan? Like, what did things look like? What makes you happy? How, how do you imagine this time period? Um, and then also have those communications with their family. Um, there were a lot of situations too that, you know, that the patient would have different views from their family or from their physician. Um, and I would, it was my job. I felt like this was my job to be their advocate. You know, if somebody is terminal stage cancer and does not respond well to chemo or radiation therapy and, you know, has this, you know, very short amount of life left why, like, I would be their advocate to be like, why do they have to go through chemo if mm -hmm. they didn't want to go through it? If somebody did want to go through it, I would be their proponent. I'd be calling their oncologist and trying to figure it out. But there were so many patients that felt like they were letting down their doctor because they said that they wanted to stop treatment. Um, and I would tell them, well, you tell me that and then I'll go handle it. Like, I'll you know, I'm not going to beat anybody up, but but I'll have a certain conversation. Hey, never <laughs> underestimate the bubbly girl. <laughs> and and so it was. I mean, it was just. It was. I think it really impacted on me how important communication is. You know, it's that communication with myself. Am I being honest with myself and what I want? And then do I relay that? to the people I love, to people who are making decisions around me, you know, how do I maintain that I am, that I'm the navigator of this path? And, you know, for them as the patient, how do they maintain that? How do they feel like they are in control, have autonomy within their care? And I mean, that really stuck with me because there are so many times where we feel like we say something to somebody or we feel like we make a point very clear. And as, as I'm sure you've encountered too, it doesn't get received in that way. Um, and, and so it put, it put that really into perspective for me. Um, and also just making sure that, like I used to say, I, I am an MD, I am not G-O-D. I can't, you know, I can follow the science and hypothesize, you know, how much time there is left or what the progression will be like, but I do not have a say in what it is. And there were, there were a lot of, you know, very sad cases I had of people who were, you know, young and had, were full of vitality, who had traumatic accidents. There were, you know, other people who had lived a full life and still had regrets that they had about not doing things throughout their life. And it just put into perspective for me that every day is a gift and I want to be living every day in a way that makes me happy, that fulfills my spirit and, 
make sure that I can continue to give what I can to others around me. So that's, I know that was a lot. (laughs) No, it's supposed to be a lot. People hear me talk enough. They want to hear you talk. (laughs) I love when the guests talk (laughs) because I can fill in any space. Do you have a desire for fulfillment? Does helping people tap into their own health mentally, emotionally, and physically fire you up? Do you believe in the impact of the gut microbiome on overall wellness? You may be an HWCA coach. For more info on our cutting-edge health coach trainings, visit hwcacoach.com. It's cool that you brought that up too, because I read a book a while ago when I was newer into my health coaching journey, and it was called When the Body Says No, and I referenced it. Um, are you familiar with that book? No, but I okay. love, I love that title. <laughs> so you'll have to look it up now. I think I referenced it when I wrote Buddha Belly. Um, but I believe it was written by a doctor who was in on end of life care. He had, he was involved in end of life care and I believe he was a doctor doing that. And the point of the book was discussing, um, he would talk to a lot of the patients, especially the ones that had cases and circumstances that just didn't make rational sense. The 22-year-old mom who has terminal cancer and the, you know, some of those things that just, you know, things that should have came later with life and not be so early. And and so he would talk to these people about what their life was like and stuff. And he started kind of making connections and correlations to basically um, like ALS, right? He said that the they would joke in the hospital he was at that if someone was a jerk, they like when they were awaiting the results to see if they actually had ALS, mm-hmm. um, they would joke that if they were like a grumpy person or kind of a jerk, that there's no way they had it because everybody with ALS was the nicest person. And he'd make these like different connections that he references in the book. And it was, I've always kept it in the back of my mind because he put an emphasis on how we advocate for ourselves, how we deal with trauma, how we deal with emotion and how, and that's why it's called when the body says no is, is he saying the body, he had a lot of reason to believe that the body manifests a lot of these diseases and things, um, from stuff that is going on in our lives, you know, especially when it just, like he said, it just didn't make sense. So it was, it was, it was a cool book to read and a hard book to read because it like, like you've experienced you, it becomes a reality to you that we're, none of us are untouchable. Um, It's really cool. And the other thing I was going to point out that you talked about, and I bet you, you were a blessing of a physician to the people that you worked with. I mean, I would love to have you there in any situation I'd be in. Um, there's a, a TED talk that we make all the kids, all the, not the kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all our students watch. Don't be offended. Guys. I'm totally, I have a lot of kids. I say kids a lot. I'm sorry. Um, but it, it's a TED, TED talk and it's a doctor and she's talking about the importance of doctors to take responsibility for not sealing people's coffins, for not sealing their fate because your words are so powerful over the subconscious mind. And she gives all these references of crazy stories that are documented in literature um, and validated. And, and her point is that, you know, as doctors, we need that we needed to be responsible and aware of how strong our words are. So not to say, you know, yeah, this is the average times. And like you said, you're not, you are an MD, you're not G-O-D. That's so great to say, Hey, in this, in this, um, I can look at this time frame and I can tell you that based on the science and the experiences and other people and whatever here, but 
I can also tell you a story of so-and-so that surpassed that five times. And there's someone else who miraculously recovered overnight. That is not up to me. Don't let me get in your head. I can just, I'm just going to give you the information. It's so cool that you did that for people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It, I mean, a big part of it, I think something too that, that does get me upset as a physician is, you know, I went into medicine because I wanted to help people. My core values are altruism and advocacy. So medicine made yeah. sense for a mathlete and science nerd. But <laughs> you know, when, I was, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, um, I remember like being six or seven years old and my, um, my Cuban grandparents who lived in Washington Heights in New York City, you know, you would go to anywhere in Washington Heights and there was always somebody that spoke Spanish until you got to the medical office. And I remember as a six, seven-year-old being a medical translator for my grandparents, which, I mean, as a physician, I it infuriates me. Um, but, you know, there is still a miscommunication sometimes that goes on between physicians and patients. And sometimes it's because physicians are taking this and we have our own language. We're horrible. I know, but we have our own language. And so when we talk to each other, it's understandable, but also that isn't relatable to patients and some, you know, some doctors, I think, don't realize that that is an everyday language or that, you know, maybe, yes, you have an understanding of another language, but it doesn't it doesn't translate enough for you to be bringing the nuances that need to be discussed when you're discussing a very serious procedure with multiple risks involved and, and decisions to be made. And that is, you know, something that I really when I was um, practicing and still to this day, just try to champion as much of health equity and access because patients should have the autonomy to be making decisions and should feel informed and should know and understand their care. And it shouldn't be their responsibility to go on Dr. Google to search all of these things that you listed off for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I just, I always too, is when I was a physician and when I was training medical students and residents, I would always make that point of, you know, make sure that you're speaking in a way that they understand and that you ask them to repeat it back to you. So that way, you know that there is all of this clarity, especially if it's anything that is, you know, decision-making involved, um, Sorry, I got on a rant about that, but it no. really infuriates me. And it's it's yeah. something that, you know, mm-hmm. as you had brought up, like it needs to, patients should feel empowered to to ask and to, to say, I don't understand that. Like, the, do not feel intimidated by your physician. Like, yes, mm-hmm. they have a fancy degree on the wall, like kudos to them. They, they put a lot of work into it. Yes, but you know your body you know what you understand and what you don't. And it is part of the medical team's job to make it in a way that is understandable to you. So keep asking questions, come in with questions. Like it's so, so important for, for the patient. Yeah. 
Totally. And that, that's not a tangent. That's just a, that's just a great point. Uh, and I think, I think that, you know, if we could get there, there would be such a, a beauty, um, in communication. It, I, I think that is the answer to most issues. I mean, you talk relationships, you talk how we parent, um, or issues with our kids. You talk, uh, business, um, everything comes down to communication differences. That is why the world can be so vile right now, not to put a negative spin on it. I mean, there's so much beauty out there, but people are just out there making statements. They're not trying to communicate. No. They're trying to just bleh. Right. Just like, I have a feeling. Yes. Like, and, and like our kids do that, right? Like my kids scream or throw a tantrum when they don't like something. They're not, they're not thinking like anything about it. They're just kind of like, blah. And they want attention, right? They want you to right. react to it. And, and it's communication. If it, I always say to people, I say, ask before I do something, we all have passions and opinions and feelings, but before I do anything, I, I like to ask myself, what is my desired outcome? Yeah. And is what I'm about to say or do going to achieve that? Or is it a waste of time? Is it the wrong way to do it? You know, and communication is just everything. Yeah, it it really it really is. And honestly, that was one of the skills I wasn't planning on coming out of the fellowship with was being a better communicator being able to express, you know, what I'm feeling and also feeling comfortable saying no or saying when I don't agree with something or when something doesn't sit right with me. Um, And so it's, it's something that I think people kind of in any field that you go into, it makes such an impact in your life. If you can you know, try to figure out how to communicate better, how, how you learn more. Um, it, it just, it really, I think, to your point, would, would allow for more communication instead of this yelling war that's going on between people right now. It's like, I don't know, I feel like it's like the animal kingdom. Like, oh, who can, like, roost the loudest? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's like it reminds me of those like rap wars, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, or like, or like. Uh, did you ever? I grew up in in the day, like the generation of break dancing. I don't know if people <laughs> still do that, but I, I did. I had friends. I had like you know people that would break dance a lot, and you know, and like they take their turns, and someone gets in the middle, and they spin around, they do their thing, and then the other dance like, I'm gonna, uh, yes, a dance battle, a dance off, a sing off, a rap off, whatever, and it's it could go on forever as long as there's enough people jumping in the the ring, exactly, and and it's fine for entertainment purposes, but really, I mean, after that, like we're not exhausting. getting anywhere. Yeah. Like who, who wants to be that like exhausted from like speaking and like trying to get a point across? Yes. Like, Oh my goodness. Like gives I, me like agita thinking about it. And imagine this is, I think this is a great place to, to pause this session before we go into session three. Imagine what could come if of, you know, out of, if people took that same energy and put it toward, if they ask themselves, what's the outcome I'm after? Even if they're on the diverse opinions, what's the outcome I'm after? If they really want something, they want to see better in something or do better in something. Is this 
the most effective way that I can impact that outcome? The answer, 9.9 times out of 10 right now is no. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say if you don't know, error on the side of no. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> Instead, go swear in a room somewhere, write, and then get a piece of paper out and say like, what can I do to give to this thing to empower this direction I want to see to do something more? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it, it's about it's about getting it out and I think people too get frustrated because they think that they are communicating and they really aren't um they you know they aren't delivering a message in a way that's able to get received and so you have all of this built up tension anger that then just ends up coming out as continued ranting and raving so get it out (laughs) yeah just get it out (laughs) get it out in a controlled way and then utilize it better is is yes is this the best way Thank you for joining us for another empowering episode of Buddha Belly Life. For more information on gut health and mindset resources, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. And remember, heal yourself and then empower others to do the same. <laughs>